Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz trumpeter, composer, producer, and vocalist Theo Croker. He opened up about this pandemic during late April 2020. He is still producing during this quarantine and has relief now from the hectic pace of life that has been around for quite a while. He's originally from Leesburg, Florida, and a very musical family. He's a Grammy Award nominee, a three-time Echo Award winner nominee, and he was a Theodore Presser Award recipient. He is prolific. He's got vision, plans, and stories, and hope. Dig it. How you doing? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, uh, well, you know, we're, uh, we're hanging in there. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I think that's all anybody can do. <laughs> so... Talk to me a little bit about how you're kind of protecting and feeding your creative during this pandemic. I want to be completely honest with you. I'm not, I was, I didn't enter the pandemic starving creatively and I'm not starving creatively now. My whole life is about living creatively. So I'm actually enjoying the, the fact that I'm able to stop all the running around and touring like crazy and everything being needed, the artificial urgency that I think has been imposed upon everyone due to the speed of technology and communication and really enjoying the fact that not only have I stopped, but the rest of the world has been forced to stop as well. So nobody is expecting anything from me. So it's been nice to be able to take a step back and reconnect with myself and reconnect with the environment and like what really matters and not being so caught up in this age of consumption and artificial urgency. Right on. So talk to me a little bit about how this jazz journey began for you. How did you really get into, or even music, how did you get involved? You're from Florida originally. Talk to me a little bit about your beginnings. Um, well, I mean, I've always been into music since I was a little kid. Um, you know, if you take me to see a movie and it had a really good soundtrack, I would, uh, you know, imitate a lot of the soundtrack, you know, on the way home and for the next few days. Um, I've always been attracted to music that had a lot of instruments in it, like like acoustic instruments in it. Um, and I grew up in a household where my older brother and both my parents all had um, very deep musical taste. Uh, everybody was a jazz head, but especially my father and uh, jazz and R&B. And my mom was a funk, soul, disco, um, salsa head. And um, my brother was in the pop, hip-hop, R&B, and electronic music. So I was just kind of into all of those things because everybody around me was into it. Um, so when I started playing the trumpet in middle school um, as it was an option to sign up for, um, I was already well just into music. So I didn't need a lot of a lot of um, encouragement or instruction. I, I spent a lot of hours on my own just trying to figure out, you know, how to make the sounds I was hearing. And, of course, that evolved into, you know, I, I come from a legacy. My grandfather was Doc Cheatham, so... Um, when I wanted to get more instruction or learn more, there were a lot of people that in the industry and or in the music creative industry that were willing to teach me and help me along the way. People like Wynton Marsalis and John Faddis and Nicholas Payton and Warren Vachet, 
um, just to name a few trumpet players. So you spent seven years in China. Talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like for you. It had to be a tremendous amount of growth. Um, it, it was a tremendous amount of growth, both for me as a man and as an artist and musician. Um, first of all, to leave your own culture and everything you know and to go someplace like China, which is there's really no crossover of the cultures. It's a completely different culture. It's a different language. It's spoken and written a different way. It even has different meanings and omits a lot of words that we have. Like their language doesn't have the word no so or yes. So <laughs> agreeing and disagreeing is done differently. Um, um, you know, like their understanding of our culture is completely different than we even understand it ourselves. So being able to be in an environment that's not built around what you come from is very um, inspirational to me, and it really helps you find yourself, who you really are, because you are not standing with or amongst people who see and do everything the same way you do. You actually are. You actually are the difference there, but you're the difference amongst a society that is not influenced or based off of your society. So you also have to adapt and learn. So it's a lot of learn learning every day and a lot of growth. Um, musically, I was playing three shows a night for six nights a week when I first got there, which lasted six months. Uh, then I left, and when I came back, I was freelancing, if not that much more. So it after seven years, it culminated to thousands of shows, TV work, all kind of things I, I, I think would have taken longer to have access to in a place like New York City. Um, it definitely was a city where there was more demand for live music than there was live musicians to be able to fill it. So that was an experience, um, you know, just leading my own group for years, three shows a night. That's a lot of music. And, and really never, for me, I never got comfortable. I never felt like I knew enough music or never felt like I was playing enough. So it was always trying to learn new music every week, find new opportunities to play. Um, and it was very open-ended in that sense. So it felt like a... It just felt like a good place to be able to learn, and especially the music was received to people just as black music. It wasn't really seen as jazz so much or this type of jazz or R&B. Or it was just all black music to them. So it really also allowed me to explore <laughs> other forms of music without any type of judgment or feel like I'm breaking any type of jazz police rules. What was the first live show you saw that really inspired you? Um, my grandfather had a 12-hour memorial service at St. Peter's Church of Jazz, and I think that was really inspiring. I saw Wynton Marsalis, uh, John Faddis. Um, I saw Earl May play with Benny Powell and Clark Terry. Uh, Ronnie Matthews. Uh, it was a lot of people, but that was kind of like a medley. I think one of the first full sets or shows I ever saw that inspired me was uh, Winard Harper and his sextet at the time. And I think it was in um, a club called Snug Harbor in New Orleans. I must have been like 12 years old, but that was my first time as a teenager 
12 or 13, getting taken to a, a jazz club and, like, you know, sat in a seat and see the whole thing from start to finish. Because anything I saw before that age, I just saw as, you know, as a kid, I didn't really see as somebody who wanted to play this music. So that was super inspiring. me. Renard Harper is an amazing drummer and a great showman, and his whole group was incredible. And a lot of the people in the group are young. So before then, most of the people I had seen play music were old. So this was kind of, you know, eye-opening to see that and very inspirational. If you had a dream tonight and you run into your younger self around the time you really started kind of becoming a professional and you could give yourself any piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, I would say take my time. Don't don't be in a rush. Uh, I'm not that way now, but, of course, when I was younger, like most younger people, I wanted everything immediately or as soon as possible. So I would say take the time and and enjoy it study and uh learn as much as possible because it gets harder to do new things as you as you get older uh, or to, to completely learn new things about yourself it's not impossible but it's a different way of doing it so i'd i'd probably tell myself that and maybe take advantage of the time i had in university more i'm sure everybody in every field feels that way but learn, you know, learn more instruments and take more time. What do you like the best about being a musician? What's the most pleasing part of it? I think the most pleasing part of it is the fact that music reaches people regardless of culture or or status and, and like, through throughout all situations in life and age. So it, it's, like, it's it's more versatile than a language. It's more cultural than, than um, it's like it reaches more through more cultural boundaries or differences. So anybody can relate to music from anywhere, regardless of how much money they have, how much knowledge they have, how much exposure to the world they have. Like, it really doesn't matter. You can go play for a tribe, an aboriginal tribe in Australia, or you can play for a group of people in Columbus, Ohio, like, the music doesn't change. So just being able to reach different people regardless of their, their culture or shortcomings really is inspirational, the fact that music can do that. You know, around mid-March when all the quarantine and everything started happening, what kind of started, when did you start realizing there was a domino effect and things were going to start going into this full-on change that we're in now? Uh, I think, to be completely honest, I realized that in February, and I went home to Florida where I'm from, where I have a house with a lot of land and everything, and I sat still, and I just watched everything go, take a domino effect from there. Um, I had a tour in March, and I was prepared to do it, but I was pretty sure it was going to get um, canceled or become more of a hassle to do it than it than it uh, would have been. Um, so. I think I just, you know, looked at it as inevitable and acted on it earlier than later. The one thing, you actually are the very first person out of a lot of interviews that have actually confirmed something I thought about that will probably reverberate throughout a lot of musicians, and it's this constant race to the next thing, the next tour, the next album, and there there might be a level of refreshment that would go into this time of being away from all of that, and... My question to you is, when the music 
starts back up live and the crowd comes back and the musician, what revelations or what, what wisdom do you hope we acculturate during this time when we return? Uh, I don't know. I mean, hopefully I'll be a better human. I mean, to be really personal and honest, in the last 15 years of my life, I have not had the opportunity to stop doing anything for any amount of time over like six, seven days. So this is the first time I've been in one place for this many days in 15 years before I've had to get up and go somewhere or do something or produce something or present something. So it's actually given me the time to just work on being a better human being, which we don't have a lot of time to do in the society that we live in. And it's really not expected from us or is expected to just happen. Um, so to be able to take that time and work on that, to me, is only going to give me more to express and more ways to connect to people. So hopefully that's what I plan to bring to the table when I return to playing again. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a really good question to ask and not so easy of an answer to give um, I mean I, I'm somebody who's learning you know I'm learning how to be better I'm learning how to I feel like I'm someone who's learning not feel like I know that I'm someone who's learning how to make the best out of every situation uh, including myself and how to really understand and love myself I think self-love is something that everyone in some way lacks that is really important. If I'm going to be out there sharing love with other people, it's got to come from a place of, like, really powerful love for myself and understanding of myself. You can't love and understand yourself. How can you love other people? So really trying to understand that and connect with that. And um, to me, that's who I am. To somebody that's really trying to connect and understand themselves. I feel like that's my life journey. Right on, man. This was refreshing, man. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for taking some time out for Neon Jazz today. Stay safe. and yeah, Thanks uh, for having me. I'm, I'm sorry it wasn't so dark and I'm not in the room locked up making a new album, but <laughs> no, man. I have plenty of creative stuff in the archive. I don't need to rush. And I don't think anything should be forced right now. I think we're supposed to be still as a planet. Yeah, part of what's going on. I agree. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chaz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Florida, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Theo for his time, his vision, and the music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time. Enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.